Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, everyone. You are listening to Going for Gold, the weekly women's health podcast. My name's Roisin Devishokane. I'm Senior Editor on Women's Health, and this is your weekly chance to plug in and be inspired to work on your health and wellness. Given how much you loved our episode, all about how best to care for your skin throughout the decades, we thought it was about time that we do another show solely dedicated to looking after your body's largest organ, getting it healthy, resilient and looking its best. This time, however, it's you, our listeners, putting your questions about your skincare concerns to our experts. Women's Health's beauty editor, Purdy Norrell, has been collecting them over the past couple of weeks. And they range from the sort of perennial questions like how to treat acne and rosacea and how to eat your way to better skin to some topics which are terribly of the moment. Like getting rid of the dreaded maskne and the impact that all that blue light we're exposed to is having now that meetings, workouts, book clubs, family catch-ups, etc. are all taking place via a screen. She's recruited two of the British beauty industry's most in-demand doctors, Dr. Ifioma Ejikeme and Dr. Sam Bunting. And together they answer your questions, provide clear-eyed advice about how to best invest in your skin. And of course, don't hold back when it comes to busting some skincare BS. Seriously, hang fire on ordering products in those Black Friday sales until you've given it a listen. Over to Purdy. Hey everyone, I'm Purdy, the beauty editor of Women's Health, and today we've got a bumper episode. So it's our first ever interactive skincare Q&A, and over the past few weeks, you guys have sent in all your burning skincare questions. Here to answer them are two of the best pros in the game. Joining me is Dr. Ifioma Ejikeme, who is founder and medical director of the award-winning Donia Clinic, and also here is cosmetic dermatologist Dr. Sam Bunting, founder of Dr. Sam Bunting Associates, and her eponymous brand Dr. Sam's. Ladies, welcome. Hi. Hello. Dr. Ejikeme, if you could start by telling us about your background and your approach to skincare. Sure. So as you said, my name is Dr. Ifoma Ejikeme. I founded Adoni Medical Clinic in about 2017 and my ethos in the clinic is really to create a safe space that everybody can talk about their skincare concerns irrespective of their skin tone. We do lots of different things such as laser hair removal. We also really focus on skin and we do lots of things in skin, everything from hair loss treatments, acne, rosacea, pigmentation. And my ethos with skin is really scientifically led treatments to lead to effective results. So I'm really ingredients driven, especially when it comes to uh, skincare products. I just follow the ingredients and follow the science to be able to help people get uh, lovely results. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, And Dr. Bunting, you're renowned in uh, certainly in the press for helping to demystify the beauty arena. So would you say your approach is, you know, pretty no nonsense? (laughs) that's nice to hear um yeah I mean gosh I've been around the houses I practiced hospital dermatology for eight years set up my clinic 10 years ago on Harley Street and that time I've worked with everyone from Dolce & Gabbana to Aven launching my own YouTube channel about four or five years ago um and doing a TV show for TLC so I kind of I've kind of done it all really um I launched the brand about two and a half years ago now so kind of distilled all those sort of learnings and experience and exposure to different parts of the market into the brands. And I suppose the brand really epitomizes what I stand for, which is um, ingredients driven, you know, driven again and really wanting to deliver the prospect of great skin to, to everybody, but it should be something that is achievable. It shouldn't be an aspiration that's only given to those, you know, who can afford expensive products. So, um, 
I think we're all on the same page. Yeah, and that's so true, isn't it? I think so many people find it really confusing, which is why this episode kind of aims to debunk those myths. Okay, so I'm going to jump straight into the questions. Just for ease, I've broken them up into topics. Um, and the first section to be kicking off with is ageing. Um, so Dr Bunting, I'll start with you. One of our readers, Ellie, wants to know, what are some of the best products to reduce signs of ageing that don't cost a bomb? Well, that's an easy one. So the most important anti-aging product is actually daily sunscreen. And I think this is so often missed out that people you know want to reach first for an eye cream or a serum when in fact it's the daily sunscreen started at the right time that will make the biggest impact long term given that 90% of why the age is due to UV damage with on a UVA rays. So I think that the best money you can spend for anti-aging starts with investing in a sunscreen that you like so much that you actively enjoy wearing it every single day. And it's it's part of the reason why we put so much effort into formulating flawless daily sunscreen to make it function like a primer to make it actively anti-blemish to kind of override those common concerns that people have about sunscreen because you know in in the past historically formulations were kind of gunky or they made you look white or they made you look shiny or break out so common reasons people don't wear sunscreen but I'm passionate about getting people to see sunscreen in the right light because it has so much to offer. And what are some of the best um, sunscreens out there that you recommend? So I think the French pharmacy brands do this really well. So uh, I have a lot of time for both the Venn and La Roche-Posay when it comes to sunscreen. So the Anthelios range is excellent, really good UVA and UVB protection and non-clogging. Um, and the same goes for, for a Venn. So I think those are both brands that are they're also really good for, for you know, practical, affordable sunscreen that you know is actually pleasant to wear. Thank you. And Dr. Edikeme, is there any SPFs that you um, highly rate? Um, there are a few that I really love. Um, I think sunscreen is a fundamental part of your skincare routine. Um, and there, there are a couple. There's the Murad um, sunscreen that I really like. I think a lot of my patients, the issues that we have with sunscreen is finding a sunscreen that's really wearable mm. and finding a sunscreen that doesn't leave that kind of white ashy cast nobody loves that um so um i think it's finding a sunscreen that you're able to wear every single day that feels good for your skin now if you're oily i recommend finding a sunscreen that's non-comedogenic and a very lightweight sunscreen and a few of the ones that um sam has mentioned are excellent um the murad city skin the super goop um unseen are two that won't leave that cast um, the Medicaid Advanced Day Total Protect, another one I love that's a good price point that doesn't leave that cast on the skin, um, which nobody loves. No. So always look out for a sunscreen that feels light but doesn't leave that cast. Thank you. And I think, yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely all about prevention more so than cure, isn't it? Yes, I agree. What products would you then recommend? This is another question we've had in from Jennifer, who wants to know the best products for fine lines. So say, you know, if you didn't wear the sunscreen in your in your formative years or you're a bit lax with it, what are the best products to try and cure fine lines? I think my number one there has to be retinoids. So retinoids have the best evidence um, behind them. They're actually one of the only um, products that have been shown in scientific study to actually reverse lines that are already there as opposed to prevent. But with retinoids, I know there's so many different ones in the market and it can be a bit of a minefield to know which ones you should use. Mm -hmm. So my goal too with retinoids is always start as low as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So go with a retinol or a retinal. Those get converted in the skin to retinoic acid. But retinoic acid can be a bit harsh if you've never used it before. Um, Some very affordable um, brands that I've that I like, that I think would work well on most people's skin, is the Olay Retinol 24. That's a really oh, yeah. nice, um, that's a really nice light retinol. If you wanted to go a little bit more, <laughs> then um, the ret- the Medicaid Retinol 3 is beautiful. Uh, that's a really, really lovely um, retinol that you can use all over the face. Um, and finally, another one that I do like that I've been using recently is the Murad, the Murad Retinol Renewal Night Cream. Now, between those three, you'll really find something that's good for most skin types. But the biggest thing with retinols is when you start a retinol, you have to start slow. 
and you need to start from a point of hydration. I think a lot of people reach for retinol when the skin feels dry or they notice a fine line or wrinkle, but actually in those situations, you might actually need to hydrate the skin. So I always recommend what I call the sandwich technique, where you have a nice moisturizer. It doesn't have to be expensive, just whatever moisturizer that you have. Place that on the skin first, then use your retinol and then place some more. Start that about three times a week, and as your skin gets used to it, then increase slowly up to every single night as your skin tolerates it. So that's a good way to really bring in retinols to your routine. And they're very, very good for those fine lines. And how will you know once your skin's um, able to tolerate it? Will you kind of get less tingling? So if you start slowly, as I've described, mm-hmm. you actually won't even have any tingling. Okay. Um, it's actually you... you build your way up to it. So the first week you start three times a week, the second week four times a week, and the third week every night. Now, if you become, as you become more hardcore with your retinols, you can then take off the moisturizers and then put the moisturizer, the, the retinol straight on the skin. And then you might start to get a bit of a tingling. Thank you. Um, and Dr. Bunting, Rachel um, has sent this question in. She said, I have under um, eye wrinkles. I've had them since my early 30s and nothing seems to be working. So would you recommend retinol for Rachel? I mean retinoids around the eyes can be trickier and certainly I wouldn't ever suggest someone starts out using vitamin A for the first time around the eyes. I think it's always good to get an education about how your skin's going to behave by introducing it to thicker points of the face and actually I've coined something called the 13 dot technique to help encourage people to focus on those thicker parts and stay away from the sort of thinner more um, problematic areas that are prone to dryness. So I think Yes, retinoids around the eyes can be helpful once you're used with the retinoid, you know what to expect, because I think the alarming part of starting to use a retinoid around the eyes is it can very quickly cause dryness and that can actually make the fine lines look worse. So when I introduce retinoids with my patients, I I do it later on. They already know what to expect. We've taught them techniques like buffering um, and oftentimes I will use a much more dilute product around the eye area than I would the rest of the face. But of course, it doesn't mean that you don't want those benefits. You want that thickening of the dermis. You want that smoothing out of the epidermis. So I'll often use niacinamide, which is vitamin B3 first, because that's a really good active ingredient in its own right for improving the appearance of fine lines, improving hyperpigmentation, but it also boosts ceramide production. And that can be a really good way to improve the tolerability of the eye area to a retinoid. So think yes vitamins a b and even vitamin c those are all active ingredients that are great for anti-aging generally and can be used around the eye area but i'm just that bit more cautious when it comes to to to, to the eye area um i think again sunscreen people often skip out the eye area it's incredible how many times i've heard people say oh i didn't realize we meant to put it there <laughs> and yet of course it's the thinnest skin part of the body and it's an area that's in constant animation because we're always smiling and you wouldn't want to change that of course but it does mean those fine lines are constantly being etched in you know as we go about our everyday sort of way of being so it's just to be conscious of those simple but important daily steps that I think can actually make a big difference to how gracefully we age brilliant thank you and moving on to our next question um Nicola has said she has very oily skin but she's also worried about aging now she's in her 30s so what should her approach be so um for for Nicola I'd recommend that she really starts to look at her overall skin skincare routine. She's got oily skin, so I usually recommend five steps in your basic skincare routine, that you have your wash, and because she says she's oily, I'd recommend that she goes for a salicylic acid um, at about 2%, salicylic acid-based cleanser. Now, a lot of people, when they have oily skin, tend to just want to use a lot of that salicylic-based cleanser. But instead, what I recommend is that you have a gentle cleanser and then your active salicylic-based cleanser if you have oily skin. Use your gentle cleanser every morning, and then you bring in your salicylic cleanser three times a week, at night or even five times a week at night. And as you're aging, what you'll notice is that sometimes people describe their skin as combination skin, where they have oily skin, but it's dehydrated. 
And doing this kind of method with cleansers can actually reduce that and help you gently exfoliate without overstripping the skin. Then if she's thinking, oh, she's also worried about um, aging, you have to nourish the skin and repair the barrier function of the skin. So she needs to look out for ingredients like hyaluronic acid in a formulation that's not going to break her out. So hyaluronic acid and ceramides can really help boost the skin and improve collagen production as well. Another key ingredient we've talked about already is your retinols. So retinols are excellent to help prevent, um, regulate the oils in our skin and prevent breakouts. So if you're aging and you have oily skin, it's a great multi-purpose ingredient that you can use. And we talked about a few that I love. That leads us quite nicely onto acne. So we had so many questions regarding uh, this area. Uh, Dr. Bunting, um, Tasha would like to know, um, how does she figure out whether her breakouts are hormonal or from external factors? I think that's pretty easy because I think that in women, breakouts are almost always hormonal to an extent. I mean, acne before your period is almost physiological. It's so common. It affects around 70 to 80% of women. So there's something about the way our hormones impact our cycle and the second part of our cycle that um, interacts with our skin, makes it more oily and more prone to blocking up and breaking out. And I think that irrespective of what the main driver is, the approach is ultimately the same anyway. Um, I guess, you know, in, pa- in, in patients with breakouts in clinic, everyone gets a, a kind of a skincare plan. The actors are you know, required to use. And it's almost always a retinoid-based system in conjunction with non-comedogenic basics. And that tends to be the best way to get ahead of breakouts. So even if you're just breaking out once a month, it's still better to prevent them than it is to wait to react to them. I also often give people an anti-inflammatory agent, whether it's benzoyl peroxide or salicylic acid to use for the actual blemishes when when they actually come about. But um, generally speaking, if you even you know, only get breakouts once a month, it's still worth doing this as a retinoid thing on a regular basis and trying to prevent as many of those hormonal breakouts as possible. Um, other things that can, of course, play into it, contraception, um, diet, those are all factors that can interplay with your own natural hormonal cycle. But in the end, the approach is, is still the same. Get rid of things that might be triggering your breakouts in your skincare, whether that's um, you know, using a balm cleanser, an oil cleanser, or a sunscreen that's not appropriate for your skin type. Um, so sort of really having a bit of a product cull. So often these days, I find people using long wear makeup, double cleansing to get it off. And that's actually a big contributor to why they're actually breaking out. So you pair all of that back, put solid practices in place, get a retinoid going, and then you know assess and see where you are with that after a few months. And I think for the majority of people, they'll see a big improvement, whatever's behind it. Okay. Uh, and Dr. Edukemi, uh, Kirsty wants to know, she has very painful cystic acne, um, which her doctor says is hormonal. Um, and obviously this isn't changing. Have you got any tips for her? Yes, I do. I, I echo exactly what um, Sabantik was saying earlier, that you need to kind of focus on your skincare routine. So the very first, when I hear things like, I've got cystic acne, or it's been going on for a very long time, I look at what's going on in the skin from two angles. What are you adding to your skin that may be triggering it? And what are you not adding to your skin that could help? So with... Um, with, with her, the initial thing I'll do is look at her skincare routine to see if there are any ingredients that she's adding in. This could be something in your hair, your hair care okay. um, routine, such as coconut oils in your hair care routine that can be triggering or inflaming the acne. So when we think about acne, I like to, people to think about it in three main elements. Number one is the bacteria. Number two is inflammation. And number three is the oil production. So when we think about controlling it, we think about we have to do something to each of these arms to help reduce her inflammatory and cystic acne. So now when she says it's a hormonal element, now the hormonal element tends to drive the oil production, but we can still, we can't address her hormones necessarily unless she decides to um, go down a medical route, but the other elements we can address. So when I see cystic acne, I almost always start um, prescription medication um, to really get it under control. And that can be for a short period of time. And I use a a mixture of sometimes contraceptives, sometimes antibiotics, and sometimes um, prescription um, retinoic acid just to get it under control. Now, that will help the bacterial element. 
The inflammatory element, though, um, as Sam has mentioned, there are some anti-inflammatories that we can add into the routine, like azelaic acid, salicylic acid, and occasionally benzyl peroxide. But if you're getting big cysts in the skin, that's when it's important to kind of have a bit more of a medical approach to, um, to acne management, because cysts um, can lead to a lot of scarring. So it's important you get on top of that. Thank you. And we've got another question from Bindi who says, how can I treat stress-related acne that's appeared during lockdown um, and uh, as well as taking care of the scars that are subsequently appeared? Well, I think lockdown has caused havoc for people's skin for, for lots of reasons. And I think uncertainty and anxiety, particularly in, in my female patients, often plays a big driver in, in, in causing them to break out. And I think then it all becomes sort of a downward spiral because then the loss of control of the skin feeds into the anxiety loop and things can can rapidly deteriorate. I mean, I still think it comes back to the same approach. You still, still need to look at the routine, strip out the potentially triggering um, cosmetics and skincare products, put the retinoid-based mm-hmm. routine. You've got to get to the bottom of the, the root lesion, which is always a comedone, and that's why retinoids our first line of therapy to, to get things under control. Um, and again, the same tools, anti-inflammatory ingredients for things when you're actively breaking out are helpful. And then, of course, you know, we all have to try to manage ourselves as best as we can these days, whether it's through meditation or yoga um, and reaching out and staying connected with friends. I think, it, it, you know, acne is a complex disorder and stress is one of the commonest provocateurs. And it really is, again, a multi-pronged attack but I think you've got to get the core routine right, because once you kind of feel that control coming back, you can start to see things shifting. And the great news is that a well-formulated acne routine will also start to work on those dark marks and get the pigmentation under control as well. So starting with the retinoid, using something like benzoyl peroxide or salicylic acid, and then evolving onto the addition of azelaic acid, which is great for prevention as well as treatment of the pigmentation, a bit of niacinamide in there to kind of soothe the barrier. And I think oftentimes you find that that's what really breaks this sort of feedback loop and stops the stress from from driving the skin um, into yet further decline. But yeah, tough times and you factor in a mask as well. I mean, you know, that's kind of the predominant pattern of acne that we've seen in recent months in the clinic. Um, I mean, mask hygiene yeah, so is obviously yeah. a big part of it as well. Yeah, so interesting that you you mentioned the whole mask knee as it's being coined, so the, the acne caused by masks. It's a huge problem at the moment. Um, so mask knee is actually known as acne mechanicate. It's actually been around for a long time, even before masks came along. And it's caused by a few things. You know, you have the mask on, you're sweating, you're talking, that creates the perspiration around the mouth, but also friction. And friction is one of the main reasons why we're getting um, the spots associated with the mask. So in order to treat it, we have to do a few things and kind of address all those areas that are occurring. So the first is to use a mask that's clean. Um, If you're using a mask that's clean, you're going to reduce the risk of getting bacteria-associated breakouts. The next is, where possible, try not to wear any makeup underneath the mask. Nobody was seeing it anyway. A bit of lipstick is fine, (laughs) but try and keep the skin as clear as possible otherwise. And when you get home, take off your mask and wash your face straight away. That's the first thing you should do. Not just wash your hands, wash your face straight away. Now, there are also a couple of key ingredients that you can add into your routine to help reduce the risk of breakouts. One is to add in an antibacterial into your routine. I like to use Clinicept um, in my clinic. If people have acne mechanicae, is to use Clinicept, which you would spray on the face. Um, if you're out and about, you can spray on your face, and that will reduce the bacterial load on the face. The other is to maintain the barrier function of your skin. If you've got rubbing, consistent rubbing, 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 where the mask rubs on the skin, that breach in the skin barrier is going to be an area of weakness where bacteria can get in and then cause these pustules. Because with with acne mechanicae, they don't look like regular spots. They look like little white heads, (laughs) little white pustules. And that's because of the way in which they're formed. So using a very gentle moisturizer and making sure that your skin is moisturized throughout the day will also really help um, prevent the acne mechanicae. Thank you. Um, And on the flip side of that, actually, um, we've had uh, a lady called Steph who said that her skin is normally oily, but is now drying out when she wears a mask. Um, So what are the best products to help with this? Dr. Bunting, if you could answer that one for me, please. 
So I think the mask wearing disturbs the microbiome, which, you know, you've got more humidity happening and potentially it alters the, the, the composition of the bacteria that's living on the surface of the skin. And that can basically kind of impair barrier function. And I think a lot of the tendencies around oily skin is often to dry the skin out too much. Um, I, I have to say that in my practice, I tend not to use any sort of foaming cleansers at all. And I tend to stay away from active ingredients, which might be the natural thing for someone with oily skin to go for. But I prefer to actually deposit active ingredients with leave-on products. I think you've got more control in the way they interact with the skin. So I think sticking to gentle cleansing, pairing back on any foaming cleansers or any active ingredients in cleansers that they might be using to sort of tackle their traditional oiliness and then to look at barrier boosting ingredients in their hydrating steps so ceramides or niacinamide will really help fortify their skin um, when it comes to sort of the frictional aspect of wearing a mask and I guess play with fabrics I mean I think a lot of people find that the natural fabrics whether it's silk or cotton are a bit kinder on the skin so I think as long as you've got several in rotation you can really keep clean that's, um, I would say, the best way to approach it. Lovely. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to move on to diet and skin now, just because we've, you know, we've had a lot of questions um, around this area. So um, Kelly wants to know, are there any foods I should avoid now that I have psoriasis? Uh, Dr. Educhemi, if you could uh, answer that one for me, please. Yes. So there's been, historically in skincare, there's been a lot of debate as to whether food has a huge impact on skin. And the advice that we used to give was that there is no, there's no evidence that skin, that food has a big impact on skin. But anecdotally in my practice, I have patients that can document that if they eat certain foods, you know, if they eat certain foods, they have an increase in their psoriasis flare or their rosacea flare or their eczema flare. And I'm a believer that you should listen to your body and you should document it. So I usually advise my patients that eat a regular diet. There's nothing specific that you should remove from your okay. diet. But if you have an allergy, avoid that. Then as you go through, if you notice that there's a food that you often eat and you get a flare up of whatever skin condition that you have, to document that and then test it. Wait a few weeks, bring it back into your diet and see if there's an effect. And I think the most important thing is to bring that food back into your diet. Because what often happens is um, somebody thinks that there's a food that may cause an impact in their psoriasis, for example. And then they exclude that and exclude something else and exclude something else. And very quickly, you're excluding quite a lot of things for your diet. So it's very important if you're concerned about something, remove it for, for a week or so. If nothing changes, bring it back in. But there's no specific diet that you need to follow. Thank you. Um, and a question for both of you, really, um, is to get your thoughts on collagen supplements. How do you both feel about those? They're not something I actively recommend. I think the science behind them is weak. And in principle, any sort of protein that's ingested gets broken down into its constituent amino acids and then you know, absorbed through the gut wall and distributed where the body needs it. So there's really no way of fast-tracking anything that you ingest to the skin. Much, much better to focus on eating the right things, um, the so-called anti-inflammatory diet, and ensuring that your skincare is optimised. I would entirely agree with that. Um, I don't recommend my patients take um, collagen supplements, but um, the science shows that even vitamin C... You know, we, we have great evidence of vitamin C, even the vitamin C that you take in on biopsy in the skin. There's almost no change topically on the skin. So with skin, most of the, the benefits that you get are from topical ingredients outside having a well-balanced diet. Thank you. It's good to finally clear that one up because I think it's a question that we are always asked. And, you know, there is so many products out there, that uh, collagen supplements out there that claim to work. So it's good to get your thoughts. They're also quite a big commitment financially as well. You know, if you decide that a supplement yeah. is essential to your routine, that's, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's, it's uh, they're often quite punchy price points. So I think... Yeah, you yeah. can invest your money better. Yeah, and then that leads us nicely onto a question by uh, Victoria, who wants to know what are the most nutrient-dense foods you can eat for your skin, hair and nails? I think that's the million-dollar question, <laughs> that one. So um, the evidence behind uh, your food, your skin, your hair and your nails is that the body is going to prioritise 
every other organ in the body except your skin, hair and nails. So it's important that you have a well-balanced diet um, and you're eating a little bit of all the different foodstuffs and making sure that your minerals and your vitamins are up to scratch. If they're not, we do know that the body will claw these back from the skin, the hair and the nails. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, having a very, very well-balanced diet eating clean and doing all the right things doesn't guarantee that you're going to have beautiful skin, beautiful hair or beautiful nails. The body is just going to, again, invest in those larger organs, but it's the best place to start. So sometimes we talk about skin foods and there are some foods that we know have good benefits. There are some vitamins that we know have benefits throughout the body as well as the skin. But eating those foods in isolation, such as fish or spinach, eggs, cheese, all great ingredients. Um, but eating just those foods won't directly lead to good skin. It's more about having a healthy overall diet. Lovely. Thank you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. And Dr. Bunting, I've got a good a good list for um, the things I tell my patients to try to incorporate every day, just because I think coming back to that idea of eating the rainbow, the anti-inflammatory diet, I think it's helpful because, you know, you very quickly can look back on your day and go, hmm, maybe I need two fruits and veg today. That's not a great day. So um, the list I have is carrots because we like beta carotene, um, tomatoes, which are rich in vitamin C and lycopene, um, and lycopene is great for helping protect the skin against um, kind of the kind of onslaught of UV damage. Um, olive oil is great for vitamin E, avocado. So you can see we can build a nice salad so far. <laughs> um, blueberries <laughs> yeah. and yeah, watermelon. Yeah, hungry. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, I, I try and get a good smoothie in a day with, you know, three or four of those um, ingredients in there. So avocado, blueberries, watermelon and apples. I mean, apples with the skin on is really important as well because all the nutrition is in the skin. And then once you do that, if you can try and, be, you know, aim to get at least sort of four or five of those seven a day, and then I, I'll maybe add in um, a flaxseed supplement, and I always take vitamin D as a supplement. Then a little bit of lean protein, so oily fish is great a couple of times a week. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the way to, I think, to really sort of try and focus as much as you can on fresh veg and fruit, so more veg than fruit, just in terms of the glycemic index. And I think it's another part of the puzzle in terms of, you know, delivering a whole inside out approach to beauty. And I think people like direction and they respond well to it. So I think, yeah, that's quite a good mix. It's pretty, you know, available, you know, whatever the season, which is um, good as well. And I think in winter, we do need a bit of encouragement to to eat more fruits and veg. It's all too tempting to go for the carbs, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think Dr. Bunt Sam brings up a really good point, actually, of um, key key nutrients that we need. And in terms of deficiencies, we should probably point out that um, there are a few deficiencies in, in that can really affect the skin and the hair, and that's vitamin D and iron. 
in women especially so if you're menstruating iron can become low very quickly if you're heavily menstruating and also vitamin d so those would be two to look out for vitamin d rich foods and iron rich foods and um sam mentioned a few of them you know iron um spinach being one of them a really great one for iron uh, salmon being another one for vitamin d cheese for vitamin d so again those would be things that you would add in um to help boost but again still maintain that uh, you know your wide plate of lean fish uh, of lean meats fish uh, vegetables and fruit brilliant thank you we've got a question from tina and it's how to treat stubborn hyperpigmentation on darker skin tones dr edukeme could you answer that one for me please yes so um pigmentation is probably one of the number one things that i treat in the clinic on all skin types but also on darker skin tones now my approach to treating hyperpigmentation is to first understand the underlying cause you know is it pigmentation around the eyes is that due to dehydrated skin, um, hyperpigmentation or volume loss, or is it in the greater face um, from things like spots, acne or melasma? So once I figure out the underlying cause, then I start a strategy to help hydrate the skin and kind of bring the skin back to life because a lot of the time there may have been something done to the skin like acne or a treatment that was too aggressive or even a home treatment that was too aggressive to really build the skin, build the skin back up again. Now the key ingredient that any woman of colour has, this is the key thing that you need in your skincare routine is a tyrosinase inhibitor. These are a group of products that help to reduce the amount of hyperpigmentation that you get. Now, you only have to think about spots if you're a woman of colour to get a dark mark. And dark marks can hang around anything from two weeks to six months. So it's really about having a prevention strategy as well as a treatment strategy. And your tyrosinase inhibitors do both. So the kinds of ingredients you're going to look out for are arbutin, kojic acid, licorice extract. Things like vitamin C can be helpful and retinols can be helpful. Um, other things like oligopeptide 68. So these are the types of ingredients you're going to look out for and incorporate them into your routine, even when you don't have hyperpigmentation, to use small amounts three times a week because you know you are going to get a spot or a pressure mark or some allergy or something that's going to trigger the pigment as well. The other strategy with hyperpigmentation is sunscreen. It's wearing a sunscreen every single day because if if pigmentation is your key concern, we have to prevent hyper uh, or excitability of those pigment producing cells and protect. And you're looking for a UVA and UVB cover, but also you'll find in the newer sunscreens you'll see PA++++. Now in darker skin types, this is a really important to prevent triggering of pigment from lots of different things, especially the sun. And it kind of triggers an overall uh, darkening of the skin. And the PA++, the more pluses that you find up to five, are great. So look out for those. And Dr. Bunting, we've had in a lot of questions about product recommendations for rosacea. Yes. Well, rosacea is a it's a tricky one, isn't it? So I think for people not using um, a physician to guide building a routine, it can be a real minefield because it can feel like particularly when the rosacea is active, that everything's stinging and burning. And, you know, there's a sort of a, a genuine fear about introducing new products. So I think rosacea sufferers are the one group where they tend to come in using maybe two or three products as opposed to the sort of 25 that the acne-prone um, patients I see kind of can often go, you know, because they jump from product to product in desperation. But the rosacea sufferers, <laughs> yeah. they know that they are challenged already in terms of barrier function. Um, so I think in terms of the best way to approach it, so I always break how you you know approach a problem down into the, the kind of the support products, your basics, and then the active products that are kind of the ideal ones to to sort of bring things under control. So, as we said before, a simple regime on fragrance products, so a non foaming cleanser, ideally something that's quite you know hydrating, very gentle. And I'm a big fan of um, La Roche Posay and Aven for this again because they they do ranges that actually contain um, products without any preservatives so no fragrance no preservatives so it just makes them super soothing um, and I think cleansing is one of the areas where the simplest kind of you know wrong move can actually kind of throw everything off even more so um, the Roche-Posay Tolerian Domo Cleanser or Event Tolerance Extreme Cleanser they're both excellent then you need a good moisturiser um, because, as I said, barrier, barrier dysfunction is part and parcel of the problem. And then you need sunscreen because UVA is undoubtedly a big trigger um, in rosacea. And again, I find 
some of the chemical sunscreens can really sort of irritate and sting um, in those with active rosacea. So you're often best going for an all mineral sunscreen. They just tend to be gentler and oftentimes contain a bit of a tint, which is also quite helpful for masking any redness. Then if we go over into active products, I think this can be tricky. Um, it depends on the disease severity. And I will often, you know, if someone's got what they think is active rosacea with, you know, proper spots, papules and pustules and background redness, they're often best seeing their doctor or consulting a dermatologist because prescription products will often work best. But if things aren't too bad and it's really just a question of, well, you know, I can see it's happening and I want to get better control, then I think azelaic acid is probably the go-to ingredient over the counter. And I've been a bit of a azelaic acid crusader, I'd say for more than five, six years, because it was, it's wasn't very common to find azelaic acid in skincare products, I'd say, two years ago. Now there's a lot more um, on offer. And I think brands like The Ordinary have brought them into the kind of, you know, consumers' awareness, Polish choice. And we've created um, two azelaic acid-based serums as part of the Flawless range because I find it such a helpful active ingredient, not only good in rosacea, it's great in acne, it's great in hyperpigmentation. You can use it in pregnancy. I mean, it really is, I think, a bit of an unsung superhero skincare. So azelaic acid is where I go in this instance. And Again, it's about being careful and cautious. Use sort of the tips of, you know, using things less often. Use it over moisturiser because it can sting a little bit, as the name acid suggests. Not uncommon, but um, azelaic acid is a real game changer for those with rosacea because it can actually help with kind of multiple components of the rosacea and it actually makes the skin look prettier. So that's definitely where I'd go to. So sort out your basics, remove any aggravants. It's amazing how many people are using things like um, you know, toners with, you know, alcohol or physical exfoliants or you know, even something as simple as a flannel, just to remove everything that might be irritating your skin gently, gently, and then bring a bit of azelaic acid into play and, and things should get better. Brilliant. Thank you. We've got a bit of a niche one here um, from Gillian and she wants to know, how can I treat red thread veins around my nose? So thread veins around the nose can be caused by a couple of different things. Um, we've just been talking about rosacea and that can be one of the signs that she may have rosacea, but there are some other signs that we'd look for, like flushing or um, having flushing associated with spicy food or chocolate or going outside. But sometimes people just have red veins or red vessels um, around the nose, and these are broken capillaries. Now, I treat them in a few ways. Um, the first is to repair the barrier function. When I see that, if there hasn't been a big trauma that's happened in that area, then I take that to mean something's happened very slowly over time. Um, something, blood vessels occur because the body is trying to heal the area. It's actually a, a, a protective mechanism that kind of goes a bit awry in the body. So the first thing I do is to try and repair the barrier function. And if I see that, associated with dry skin, then I'll usually start a CeraVe product. I do like the CeraVe range. Oh, I love CeraVe. It's, it's so brilliant. Yeah, it's such a good range. It's beautiful. Um, it's so good if you have dry, irritated skin. Um, and the ingredients that I kind of lean on there are the hyaluronic acids, the ceramides, the niacinamide. And the thing I like about it is that MVE technology, whereby sometimes you put a moisturizer on, and 10 minutes later, it's gone. <laughs> but I like that when I give those to my patients who have dry, irritated skin, and if you're rubbing your nose a lot or something's going on in the area a lot, that may be one of the issues. So I like the technology because of it releases the active ingredients over a 24-hour period. So it can really soothe for a long time. So that's the first step. Um, the second step is then to do something that directly addresses the vessels. Now, if the vessels are very, very small, very superficial, then something like an azelic acid can be helpful. Um, otherwise, there'll be treatments that I do in clinic to help treat each one of those vessels. Now, sometimes they can be five or six, and sometimes they can be 20. Now, if they're five or six, a treatment called advanced electrolysis can be very, very good. And you use a treatment with little needles, almost the size of a hair, to zap each of those. If they're lots and lots, then a vascular laser can be very, very good to treat a larger area to kind of clear them all. 
But one thing's important to know that if you have vessels, you tend to get more vessels. So it's important to really restore that barrier function and figure out what's happening in that area. If she's got allergies, that means she's blowing her nose a lot or itching in the nose to try and figure out what the underlying cause is and treat that. Um, and final question before we have to wrap it up. We've had Kamal. She wants to know, should I be worried about blue light now that I'm working from home and constantly on my laptop or phone? I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of concern for obvious reasons, but I think that the reality is that blue light coming from devices is it's a fraction of the strength of the blue light that's part of, um, you know, the sun's rays is something of the order of a hundred to a thousandth of the strength. So uh, certainly it's been studied extensively in melasma where we know that UV um, and visible light potentially um, provoke uh, the problem of you know, worsening hyperpigmentation, but um, I think that blue light for, ev- for in, in normal skin types without melasma in the background um, haven't really got too much to worry about. I think we're much more concerned really with the the impact of UV, particularly UVA, when it comes to, to aging. I agree with that completely. I think there's a lot of of um, worry about the blue light, and um, we get the most of our visible light from the sun thousands of times more from the sun and where we'll see it where I see it for my patients is just it it causes general darkening of the skin which is why we see it in melasma but there are some things that you can do if it really bothers you and you're really worried about it there are some things that you can do and visible light is blocked by zinc oxide or titanium oxide so wearing a physical sunscreen will protect you if you're at home, this is the one time that makeup can be helpful <laughs> for the skin. Iron oxide that's found in makeup actually does block visible light. So those are some things that if it really bothers you, um, you can do that. You can add that to your routine. Helpful. Thank you. Um, and finally, if we could just round off, um, if each of you could talk about your number one rule for getting your best skin. Dr. Bunting, should we start with you? Yeah, Yeah, sure. Um, I think that for me, the most important thing is consistency. And I think that's probably, you know, it's the simplest of principles. But I think that if you if you follow the guidance and, you, you, you know, you, you select the right products and you stick to a routine, I mean, realistically, there's only really room for, I think, for one active product in the morning and one at night. I mean, I personally, as a busy girl, don't have time for sort of lots and lots of layers. So I kind of, I want that one product in the morning, that one product at night to work with my sunscreen to really deliver the best possible skin. And I think if those products are chosen well and you stick with it, then that consistency is what delivers results in the long term. And I think it can't be underestimated how big an impact the right skincare can can make in your life, both to the way you look, but most importantly, to the way you feel. Mm, and I think it's important to, um, you know, be patient in terms of results, isn't it? Yeah, we all want things yesterday, don't we? And I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. to some extent, a lot of the brand's marketing doesn't really, you know, serve us. They promise us a lot. And then people get disheartened mm. when things don't happen overnight. But to put it in context, when I'm seeing my patients for review, and we're using pharmaceutical grade products, often because, you know, the severity factor, I don't see them again until three months time. So, you know, I wait for a two full skin cycles to have gone by, because if you think about it, for an active ingredient to change your skin, it has to be exposed for the duration of time it takes to get from the bottom of the epidermis to the top. And mm. that that is a slow process. You can't build new proteins like collagen overnight. It takes time. So, I think don't yeah. shortchange yourself because I think a lot of people end up discarding products too soon. They've got a bathroom shelf full of bits of things not used up properly. So commit to a plan. Take your selfies at the beginning in good natural light. Document your journey and give it that three-month period. I think it's a really sensible length of time to determine whether something's working for you. And then if those ingredients are working for you, then turn the dial on the percentages rather than getting distracted by new shiny objects that you see on Instagram and adding in another three things just because, you know, (laughs) your favorite influencer recommended it. So know your skin, chart your results and act on those. And I think you'll find that you're, you're happy in your skin. Brilliant advice. Thank you. So I was going to say consistency, but I'm (laughs) sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's the one, it's the one. Um, So I was going to say, check in with your skin. As the seasons change, it's a good time to check in with your skin. I think um, not everybody can come to see myself or to see um, Dr. Bunting, but 
the products that you have at home, if you're using them and you're seeing results, and all of a sudden, you know, the seasons have changed, six months have passed, look back at those products and see what's going on. So I would say throughout the year, check in with your skin. And this is a really good time to do that. You know, we're on lockdown, we're all at home. It's a good time to go back to your bathroom cupboard. And what I usually recommend is to look to see what you have that's first of all in date. So the first thing to do is to get rid of everything that's out of date, check your vitamin C, probably gone off <laughs> if it's been there for three for six weeks or three months if it looks dark or there's kind of brown residue throw that away once you've gotten rid of all the things that are off and you should no longer be using now have a look at what you've got left and then check in with your skin is it feeling oily is it feeling dry is it feeling dehydrated and people often refer to their skin as combination skin when they've got oily dehydrated skin and look at the products and see if those products still serve you and if they're serving you, be consistent with them. But if they're not serving you, then maybe it's time to have a consultation with someone that can help guide you with your skin and help you figure out what products you should be investing in and which products that you should actually, that aren't serving you well. Brilliant. Thank you. Ladies, that was incredible. So many brilliant tips and uh, useful nuggets there. Uh, were you taking notes? I have got a healthy list in my iPhone from the first time I listened to that chat. Uh, so that was Purdy Norrell, Women's Health Beauty Editor, putting your questions to Dr. Ifioma Ejikemi and Dr. Sam Bunting. If you enjoyed the episode, absolutely do let us know. You can rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to comment on anything that's been discussed in the show, you can get in touch with us via the usual channels. All the details are in the show notes. And remember, if you have a health goal in mind that you want our experts' help with achieving, let us know and we'll get them on it. We'll be back next week. Until then, take care. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.